Good evening and welcome to Direct Impact Broadcasting, the station of growth and transformation. Affiliate of Creative Broadcasting presents Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson with your host, Taiwana Wilson, as she welcomes her guest to the studio. Welcome to Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson. I am your host, Taiwana Wilson. A little bit about myself. I am your award-winning leadership maven, medical laboratory sciences by background, best-selling author, owner and chief leadership coach at Trendy Elite Coaching and Consulting Services, executive director with the John Maxwell team, Maxwell Disc certified consultant, send out cars referral partner, and co-owner of Direct Impact Broadcasting Radio Station. Before we bring on my special guest, I want to thank my March radio show sponsor, Mr. Martinez Wilson of Second Samuel Transport, where they make sure you get all of your Amazon packages delivered on time, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Also, thank you to my media mentors, Ms. Ashley Little and Ms. Kimberly McLemore of Talk Radio TV Network, LLP. Today we have my special guest and friend, mentor, and fearless sister, Dr. Christine Handy. In her, 30, in her career span, Dr. Handy has always been in a helping or coaching role. With more than 30 years as a teacher, track coach, and high school principal, while an entrepreneur and author, Dr. Handy's life's mission is to enhance the life of others via education, counseling, and coaching. She loves the Lord and is an active member of the Church of the Redeemer in Clarksburg, Maryland, where she serves as an usher. Christine has enjoyed an amazing 30-year career in the field of education. She started as a special education teacher and has served as a high school principal for the past 19 years. Christine has recognized, been recognized as the 2006 State of Maryland's second Dairy Schools Principal of the Year and was the 2014 recipient of the prestigious Dr. Edward Shirley Award for Excellence in School Leadership. A respected leader in education, she is currently the president of the National Association of Secondary School Principals. She is especially proud that eight school leaders that she has mentored have been promoted to school principal positions. Dr. Handy is an international speaker and trainer. She has trained school leaders in Beijing, China, and across the USA at Equity Colloquium's National College Board, Advanced Placement, and National Principals Conferences. She is also a trainer, coach, and speaker with the John Maxwell team, specializing in presentations on leadership matters and leading teams through the leadership game. She loves helping others develop their leadership skills, grow their business, and realize their financial dreams. She also specializes in supporting our youth through presentations and workshops at Youth Retreats and Summits. Dr. Handy is also a proud entrepreneur and author. For the past six years, she has been involved with Send Out Cards, a technology-based company that uses a mobile platform to help individuals to create financial freedom. She loves helping others to become wealth warriors. They support businesses with relationship marketing, helping them to increase repeat and referral business by sending greeting cards and gifts in the mail right from their mobile devices and individuals to be kind and thoughtful, creating mailbox happiness. 
For Christine, this is a gratitude ministry. A leader, Christine was selected to serve on the Eagle's Nest amongst the top earners with the company, and her current rank is senior manager. She is also a leader with Maluka, an online wellness shopping club, once again on a mission to help others to become wealth warriors by simply switching stores and sharing. Additionally, Christine is an Amazon best-selling author of the book, Dear Fear, Volume 2. Co-authoring with 17 others, she shares of a life experience from her early college days entitled it, Dear Fear, You Can't Have My Slingshot. Good evening, Dr. Handy. How are you doing this evening? I am doing great. Thank you so much for that introduction. Wow. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You are one bad lady, so I have to give you your props and and read your full bio. Oh, my goodness. I'm just going to say, to God be the glory is all I can say. (laughs) So I'm so happy and excited to have you here tonight, and I'm sure the listeners are eager to hear all about your journey. So tell us a little bit about your journey to leadership, and how did you get to where you are today? Well, it definitely has been a journey, a long journey that really started when when I was a kid. So one of the things I believe is that when preparation meets an opportunity, doors open. And so my journey includes a lot of preparation from going to school and having businesses, because I've always had some type of home-based business ever since I was a a young, young girl. And I read a lot. I definitely believe in personal development. I believe in networking and mentoring and, you know, getting experiences. So, uh, you know, on the job, I've always sought opportunities to serve and to, and, and to grow, basically. But, you know, when you talk about leadership, you know, I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest of my siblings, the oldest of five. And so being the firstborn, I had to be a leader just by virtue of birth order. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, so, you know, I was, I, we were, I had a single, single uh, mom, and uh, so I was the oldest, and so, you know, mom depended on me a lot uh, to be in charge. So my brothers and sisters would tell you that I have always been the boss. <laughs> so I don't know if that's good or bad, depending on which one you ask, you know. And then, you know, as, so, you know, but then in schools and in organizations, whenever I've been involved in something, you know, I've always, you know, you know, definitely stepped up to to be a leader, you know, whether it was being a chair of a committee or if I was in a club, I would be the president, the vice president. I mean, I definitely would not hesitate to raise my hand uh, to run for office or to be in charge of a committee or something like that, you know, as a, so, you know, when I was growing up in high school and junior high, I was always in clubs and, you know, I definitely would step up. Then, you know, when I was a teacher, as a teacher, I would definitely, the principal wanted, was setting up a committee. I was one of those people who volunteered to be there. And uh, I also, as a high school teacher, I was a high school track and field coach. And talk about that is where I really feel like I learned a lot about leadership and how to develop winners. And I would not trade my high school coaching days for anything because, you know, my uh, track girls always tell me thank you for the, the seeds that I planted in them. 
And I always tell them thank you because they developed me. And so, and really, and just taking a team that really was not, I mean, when I first inherited the team, we only had a few girls on the track team. And then as I coached them, we grew, and, we, and I, I helped develop them into a championship team, so helping to develop winners. But they taught me a lot about that, and I really had to be a student of the sport and not just learn about the events in track and field because there's so many, but I also had to learn how to get people to believe that they can do it. So that was the first thing I had to do was help my girls to believe that they were winners. And once they had in their mind and once they had a little taste of success, it was on and we became, you know, district champions. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot from that. And then, I, you know, as after teaching, I became a school leader. So I became an assistant principal and then a principal. And, you know, I stepped up to that challenge and because I love challenges, you know. So, I, I'm, you know, you give me a challenge, I'm going to take it on. And so working as a school principal, definitely I had to take on a lot of challenges and face them head on and work with a, a group of people to make things happen. So I learned so much about, you know, collaborating and working together and having a common vision and how you take that vision and move from here to there and set goals and reach them. And so that has been my journey to leadership, really preparation all along the way, and everything is a, it builds on the, on the next. So, you know, I always, anytime I would ask, you know, if I had some challenges and I'd wonder, like, Lord, why, why this? And then I really realized that everything that happened along the way was preparing me for what was next. So you have to embrace the journey. So that really has been my journey to leadership, really just focusing on preparation and being ready for what's next. Wow, I love that. Preparation and preparing for what's next. And I also love how you said that you learn how to to develop winners. And and that's powerful, especially as we're working with our teams, whether it's working with our youth or working with our fellow teachers or working with our colleagues, uh, having a team where we are instilling in them uh, that winner's mindset. So that's, oh, that's absolutely. awesome. So I've always been a teacher, you know, so everything, even as a, as a high school principal in business, no matter what I'm doing, it's teaching. You know, as a coach, I was a teacher. So, you know, teaching and coaching is really just what I love doing. You know, even as a little girl, I would teach the whole neighborhood. All the kids would come, I would stand <laughs> on the front porch, and I would have school. So, you know, teaching and coaching is really in my passion. <laughs> Awesome. So as we know, leaders come from all walks of life with vastly different backgrounds, strengths, experience, experience levels. What strengths and qualities do you feel were important for you to thrive as a leader, especially in the world of education? That, that, that is a great question. And so there's so many things that you know, qualities and characteristics you have to have and develop to be a successful leader. So first is stamina. You, <laughs> you know, <laughs> leadership, leadership is tough. And so you have to have stamina. You know, it is not for the weak. <laughs> you know, you have to be able to go the distance. You have to be able to see things through. 
And so you have to have stamina, uh, which ties right into perseverance. You have to be a person who will not give up easily, that you will um, set your eyes on a goal, you set goals, you have a vision, and that you're going to stay on the path and persevere to meet those goals, and you have to be driven. You know, I, I talked about being a coach and a developer, you know, so you have to be a coach. You have, you know, you, I, I always consider myself the head coach. And once again, I say I learned so much from being a track and field coach, you know, and coaching those young ladies and developing them into winners. And all along, no matter what you do, even in education, as a teacher, as a, as a high school principal, you know, I consider myself the head coach. And so I am always coaching um, others to be their best, to do their best, to give their all, you know, whether that is the, the staff or the students and, or whether it's in business. You know, it is important for you to be a coach and develop others. You know, you have to be committed to helping others because if you help others to realize their goals, dreams, and aspirations, and then that's going to help you to fulfill, you know, your journey, your reason for doing what you do, your why. But you have to be willing to develop others, and, and I feel strongly about that. You know, I always ask people, you know, what are your goals, dreams, and aspirations? You know, if a student comes to my office, I want to know what are your goals, dreams, and aspirations. A teacher, if I'm hiring a teacher, I want to know what are your goals, dreams, and aspirations. I'm hiring an assistant principal, I ask them the same question because I want to know what your goals, dreams, and aspirations because my job, I feel strongly that my job is to help them to reach their goals, dreams, and aspirations. You know, you have to believe and be passionate about whatever it is you're doing. Know, you know, you have to know your mission, where you're going. You have to be a visionary. You know, you have to be able to almost be psychic and see into the future and know what's coming. <laughs> you know, I always tell people that we're pre- in schools, we're preparing kids for a world that doesn't even exist yet, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because we don't even know what the world's going to look like 30 years from now because no one 30 years ago, we could not have envisioned all of the things that we have access to, to today as it relates to technology. You know, so we're preparing kids for a world that we don't even know what it's going to look like. So we have to be visionary and think about the skills that they're going to need and prepare them to realize their goals, dreams, and aspirations. So, you know, I go back to you have to be a person. When I talk about the perseverance and uh, stamina, you have to be a person who is willing to see it through. Amen to that. Now, where was you at when I was in school? Where was you at asking about my dreams, goals, and aspirations when I was in school? I just love it. I love that energy because you're right. Leadership is hard, and you have to eat it, live it, breathe it, sleep it. Uh, and if you do, it it goes to everybody you touch. And I can just feel that, and I'm sure your students, uh, feel that and your teach, teachers feel that as well, that you are definitely in it to win it with them. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so that's awesome. So you do a lot. You do a lot of stuff. You got businesses and you're an educator and, and you do all this awesome, fantastic uh, thing. So in a time where we are asked to do more, serve more, give more, be the best, and the list goes on. <laughs> One, it does. Oh One, core value, <laughs> One's core values can be compromised in the process of trying to elevate their career and position in the workplace. So what advice 
could you give our listeners who are struggling to balance career and maintain home life harmony all while maintaining their sense of self as they're doing career and business and, you know, trying to do everything? Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> I, I know if there, some of my friends are listening right now, they'll probably say they're probably waiting to see what I'm going to say to this question. <laughs> Um, you know, so one of the things that, you know, I believe, I don't know who said it, but it says to thine own self be true. And so, you know, certainly this is probably one of my biggest challenges in maintaining that work, home, life balance. You know, so I'm going to be honest right up front and say this is definitely a challenge for me because I am one to quick, I'm quick to say I work from can to can't. Okay, mm-hmm. you get that? I work from can to can't. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, and I don't think that's a good thing, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, you know, and I, I understand that. You know, I do know, and it is definitely something that I am working on. And, you know, and, I, and I, I'm always encouraging everybody around me, but I don't always do it myself, you know. So mm-hmm. in giving advice to someone, I'm going to suggest, you know, that you have to schedule. I mean, we, we live by a schedule. I mean, every, we have schedules now. We have it on our cell phones. We have it on our computer. Our schedules are digital. And then every now and again, I still bump into somebody who has a, a paper calendar, you know. But we, <laughs> that's real old school. But, you know, we live by a calendar and a schedule. And so, you know, I encourage people to – Schedule your personal life just like you schedule your professional life. So you have to put you on the calendar. You got to make time for you. You got to make time for your family. You know, so you have to put you on the calendar because if you don't, you'll fall into that trap that I fall into is working from can to can. You know, and that's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. So I say that. And, you know, and I, I, I used to wear it like a badge of honor until I realized that really is not a, that's not a smart way to work. You know, so I don't suggest that to people. I suggest that you put you on the calendar because balance is so important for your own, your own mental health, your own physical well-being, you know. And so especially as we get older, and I wish there were some things, if I could talk to my younger self, you know, I would make sure that even once I stopped coaching track, that I didn't stop track, you know, that I still worked mm-hmm. on my own physical health and well-being. Now, I'm not, I'm a healthy person, you know, but I definitely could do better with my own physical fitness and my own healthy eating. I mean, I definitely would change the way I ate in my younger days, um, but I can only focus on now. And so I really focus on living a healthier lifestyle, eating healthier and I'm still working on the exercise piece. So I hope my uh, friend Tracy is not listening because she's been really getting on me about the physical piece. But you have to put you on the calendar. And I think that, that's really how you work on your own personal home life and work balance is to make sure that you put you on the calendar just like you put others on your calendar and you schedule meetings. Then you have to make sure that you have blocked off time for your family and for yourself. That's really important. Right. 
Right. I absolutely, absolutely agree. And that's one of those things is especially as working moms and wives and, you know, professionals, it, it is sometimes uh, difficult uh, to find that, that time. So I, I like that. Schedule time for yourself and don't feel bad about it. That's exactly. <laughs> you got to block it all. You know, you have to block it all. Sometimes you just have to take a mental health day. You know, when they, they get, they, you know, unfortunately, they, they give us sick leave and personal leave, you know, and, and, and sometimes mental health, that's, 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 that's sick leave. You know, so you have to take a mental health day. Sometimes you have to do that. You do. You do. You have to refuel. I mean, because you can't Absolutely. operate off of an a empty cup for a long period of time. Absolutely. 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 Mm-hmm. You have to refill that tank. You know, the right. gas tank. You have to refill it. <laughs> or you will exactly. be on the side of the road at some point. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's just important. You have to take care of you. Good. I mean, so I think there's hand- a reason why I was just going to say one more thing. I I, I, mm-hmm. I was just telling my sister that remember because I was I was fussing at her and I was telling her remember <laughs> on the airplane they always tell you to put your mask on first in case Absolutely. of emergency. And so we, Absolutely. We, sometimes, we sometimes forget to do that, to put our mask on first. Because you can't help others. If you're, if you're not in good shape, you can't help others. You won't be any good to other people. Right. I absolutely agree. Absolutely. So, Dr. Handy, talk to us about some of your biggest challenges that you face as an educator, especially those early on as a special education teacher and then your transition uh, to administration. We hear, you know, we, we definitely need our village as it comes to education, and we know that teachers uh, need assistance from us as parents and mentors and coaches and all of that. Uh, so talk about some of those challenges that, that you face uh, as a teacher and then from the administration side. So, you know, we hear a lot about what's happening in education today, and these kinds of things didn't just start. Teachers are hardworking. It is, probably, it is one of the most honorable professions, and teachers work really, really hard. You know, you won't know a teacher who doesn't take work home, who doesn't take her kids home with her, not literally, but in their mind. Um, teachers are always planning and thinking about how they can make a lesson better or they're thinking about the next lesson. So teaching is not something that stops, you know, when they get off for the school day. They bring papers home, you know, they're grading at home on the weekends, and teachers are always, you know, working on their lesson plans. They're always gathering materials. You know, elementary teachers are always asking you, do you have these? If you have some of these things, you know, I'll collect them because they want to take them and do something with their kids at school. So teachers work really hard, and they're always being challenged to do more with less, always having to do more with less. So, you know, they're having to, you know, they don't have as many resources. You know, across the nation, it is not equitable as far as resources that are available to teachers. And so, you know, teachers have to do more with less. And then, you know, a big challenge is there is a big shift. You know, there's a shift in our world. The world is ever changing. So teaching has to change. You know, so, you know, we can't teach kids the way we used to teach kids because the world has changed and how kids engage and interact 
and how kids learn has changed. Technology has been a big part of that, you know, because if you don't engage those kids in the classroom and they're used to doing hands-on, you know, they're, they're used to action, you know, with these video games and things like that. So teaching has changed significantly. And so I think, you know, a, biggest, a big challenge has been that we have not truly put the money, we haven't invested in our teachers the way that we should. Um, as far as giving, uh, putting money towards professional development, putting money towards resources and making sure that teachers have everything that they need so that teachers aren't having to go out and buy things out of their own pocket um, for their classroom. So, I, you know, I think the biggest challenge is really that, you know, teaching has changed, and, and in order for us to keep up with how the world is changing, we have to invest more in our teachers. You know, we have to invest in our administrators because the way you lead schools today is not the way you led schools yesterday. And so we definitely have to continue investing in education. So I won't get started on politics, but, um, you know, it's all over the news that there's cut to education budget um, mm -hmm. from our current president. There's going to be some significant cuts. And I, I don't know how we can make our, our space better, our U.S. better, when we are cutting what is the foundation for the USA, and that is education, because, you know, that is definitely our most valuable resource. And, and so that's, that's a challenge. Um, so, but challenges that, you know, I have faced, you know, is just trying to, as a, as a school leader, it is so important that we get our parents engaged. Parents are our partners on the journey in education. And so that has always been a challenge that I have been blessed over the years to work with some amazing parents. And so you're always going to have a group of parents who do a lot of things for your school. But we need more parents. We need, you know, more of our – we have a lot of parents who are not represented, and we need them. So getting our parents to volunteer and be involved in the school, you know, ha has definitely been a challenge. We have some great parents who do it, but we need more parents to do it. I think, you know, student voice, you know, is, is important. Always really trying to think about how can I get students more engaged. And once again, I want to, I'm always trying to figure out how to engage the unengaged. You know, we have too many kids who go to school and go home. And, and then they go home and, you know, we say too much time, an idle mind can lead to a troubled mind. So, you know, we want to get our kids more engaged in school and school activities. And, you know, once again, we also need more resources in order to do that. We need more resources in our communities. We need more community centers. You know, all neighborhoods are not created equal. You'll see a lot of resources in some places, and then you go to other places where, you know, they, do, they have limited resources. And so I just think that's important. You know, the, the challenges that we face is that how do we ensure that, all kids have access to opportunities. You know, our, a lot of learning happens outside of school, and so all communities aren't created equal. So I think across the U.S., we need to make sure that our kids are having equal access to, you know, after-school opportunities and are able to be engaged in activities. You know, I really believe in, in raising student voice and participation, and we have a program called RSVP that stands for that, Raising Student Voice and Participation. You know, I, I could go on and on about the challenges in education. I mean, certainly uh, graduation rates, attendance, those are things that we are faced with every day. And uh, I don't think there's a magic solution, but 
is something that uh, school leaders and teachers that are, are faced with those challenges, and it's something that we're working on. And, you know, our students are more than a test score, <laughs> you know. So we, we right. focus a lot on test scores in our schools today, but our students are much more than a test score. Absolutely. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave that right there. (laughs) That would be a a whole, a lot longer conversation than we have time for. (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, if there were, you know, just a few things you would ask uh, from the community in regards to uh, volunteering or assisting in those efforts to help uh, close the gaps, what would that, that call to action be? Uh, for well, us that may have resources that are that are able to help, what would you uh, suggest? Well, I think is we we must have more after school activities that engage our students in uh, co- um, collaborative, being collaborative, allowing kids to work together, allowing kids to problem solve and use their critical thinking skills. I think we have to have more opportunities for our kids to be engaged after school because we have too many kids who actually go home and now they're engaged with the TV, the video games, or hanging out in the streets. And, you know, those we have students who are engaged. And, you know, you have your athletes and you have your kids who participate in clubs. You know, if that's hitting 50%, we're doing good, but what about the others? So I think our communities have to set up more opportunities so there needs to be more grant opportunities so people can, you know, write grants and get our kids more engaged in after-school activities. And then the summer, the summer is such a critical time. And so not just thinking about high school students. A lot of high school students do are able to go and get jobs, but then there are not enough jobs for them all. And so how do we get them some more experiences in the summertime? and keep them engaged. And then our elementary and our middle school students, how do we keep them engaged in the summertime in meaningful activities so that learning is not lost? You know, because those 10 weeks in the summertime, we, kids lose a lot of their learning because they are just sitting at home in front of TVs, you know, uh, sleeping late. And so we need to get our kids engaged and have more summer op- enrichment opportunities for our, for our students. Excellent, excellent. I'm I'm happy you uh, mentioned that, and I wrote down some of those uh, ideals because, you know, being a a community volunteer, uh, there's always programs, but there's not always programs after school. So I think that is a a valid point and great point that you mentioned, uh, especially is, is a lot of the groups are trying to come up with programs for our youth. So thank you. I have that noted. Don't forget the summer. That's right. And the, <laughs> the summer. And the summer, the right. summer is critical. You know, so absolutely. many of our kids, you know, there are some families who plan vacations and, you know, so their kids are exposed to different things in the summertime. You know, mm-hmm. but I was a, a child who grew up in poverty and we didn't do family vacations. You know, what's that? You know, and so having an opportunity for, you know, if somebody's going to take – we have kids. I live in the Washington, D.C. area. I live in Maryland. And we have kids who live right here in Maryland who have never been to all the museums in D.C., you know, or haven't even been to D.C., and we're like 45 minutes away. And so right. somebody should be planning field trips for kids in the summertime 
that are free, but there has to be some resources for that, right? Somebody has to pay for the buses. Somebody, you know, has to pay for lunch, you know. But right. I mean, we're right here next to D.C., and there are kids who have not been to D.C., have not had an opportunity to visit the, the rich museums that are there. And so how do we have those kind of opportunities available to kids? We need, we need equal access. So everybody's not going to get to go on a family vacation, but there should be more enrichment activities in the summertime for our students. Absolutely, absolutely. If we all got together and, and put our resources together, imagine how much more uh, impactful uh, we could be. Absolutely. So, and so absolutely. So, Dr. Handy, you're currently serving as the president of the National Association of Secondary School Principals which is definitely no small feat considering you are the first African-American woman to serve in this role. So congratulations to you. And this is in how many years? 103 years. So in 103-year history, you're the first African-American woman to serve in that role. And that's an accomplishment. Uh, So awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And and only and only the seventh woman. Oh, my goodness. Wow. (laughs) Wow. We still have work to do. So thank you for representing us and doing an awesome job all over the globe uh, representing us uh, in the the spirit of education and working with all of our educators across the globe. So what have you learned and accomplished from being in this position of leadership? (laughs) So... I'm gonna. The first thing I learned, uh, because I do a lot of traveling, is I learned the art of packing lighter. (laughs) 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 I I I finally learned, you know, to uh, to pack a little bit lighter, and that you know sometimes you can wear those black pants two times, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So you know, at first I had to take a, a outfit for every day, and you know. You know, five jackets, five pants, and you know, five you know, five suits, and five different pairs of pumps, and you know, I had to I had to learn a little bit about the art of packing lighter. So that's that's my that's my funny. Uh, but you know, one of the things and having the opportunity to really visit schools across the nation, and one of the things that I developed with a um, with some of the staff at the NASSP was what we call an urban initiative. And really what I wanted to learn was more about the life of urban school principals. And so I've had an opportunity to visit urban schools across the nation and uh, still have quite a few more to go before the end of my term. And I've learned that, you know, educators all over are dealing with similar issues. You know, no matter what their demographics, no matter what their zip code, you know, educators are dealing with so many of the same issues, you know. And so, I mean, when we look at, I I met folks, you know, when I'd asked them, what keeps you up at night? You know, things like mental health. We're seeing more mental health issues in our schools today. Safety and security, certainly with things that have been happening in our schools, that that is at the top of the list that school leaders are making sure and doing their best to keep their schools safe and secure. Achievement gaps, you know, they look different in different places, but everyone is trying to close the achievement gap. Attendance, you know, attendance is a concern all over. Um, 
parent engagement, increasing our test scores. I mean, principals are dealing with the same kinds of things. And some, some areas might have, have, are dealing with one more so than the other. Discipline is a concern, and, uh, and that really ties right back into how do we keep our schools safe and secure. And then dealing with the, you know, the pitfalls, some of the pitfalls of social media uh, and, and its impact on our schools. Um, because our students are engrossed in social media, and, uh, you know, sometimes social media can be good, and sometimes not so good. So it, you know, leads to a lot of bullying as it relates to how kids do that, use social media to be a bully. So these kinds of issues are, are things that school leaders are dealing with across the nation. And uh, so it really has been insightful to really learn about what our principals are dealing with today and what really um, keeps them up at night. And so I have really enjoyed being able to meet with school leaders across the nation and the supervisors of school leaders and really to just find out more, really seeking to find ways in which our organization can support our principals as we are committed to having great leaders in every school committed to the success of each student. Wow. I've also had an opportunity to work with a board of directors, and that has been a, an amazing experience, once again, being the leader, to being the chairman of the board, and really working with a board on governance and, and leading a board through that process. So it has been a learning experience for me, and you know, as I had told you before, I'm always, you know, looking for opportunities to grow and learn. And so this experience serving as the president of the National Association of School Principals has definitely been an opportunity for me to grow and learn in my profession and learn from my colleagues. And I've also engaged with some amazing students. I've been to some student conferences. I've had an opportunity to present a $25,000 scholarship to a National Honor Society student who was our top winner for a scholarship. And so I've had an opportunity to present some awards and recognize the National Principal of the Year. So it has definitely been a rewarding experience as well as an opportunity to learn and grow. And I'm so thankful for it. Wow. It sounds like a great combination, at least of this first half of your uh, career. So that's awesome. Very awesome. Thank so you. in addition to all of your amazingness, <laughs> not even a word, but all of your amazing things that you have done uh, over your 30 years in education, you are a proud, successful entrepreneur living by the motto, which I love. I'm a wealth warrior creating my own social security. <laughs> which I also love because by the time I get to to that point, uh, who knows where Social Security will be, if there will be. That's why I'm trying to help our millennials. I'm trying to help the millennials. Listen. I listen. So, listen more, talk less. Right, right. So tell the listeners a little more about what that means and some of your entrepreneurial endeavors. So this whole motto of I am a wealth warrior creating my own Social Security, really when I started, you know, as you get a little older, you know, Social Security starts sending you these little letters to tell you 
when you get this age, this is how much you're going to get. So actually they tell you when you can start drawing your Social Security. So, you know, uh, years ago you used to to start drawing your Social Security around age 62. Well, now they have moved that back to age 70. So I cannot draw Social Security until I'm 70 years old. And I have seen too many of my, my friends and colleagues who now cannot retire until they're like 70 years old because, no, my voice went up when I said that, they cannot retire until they're 70 years old. That's their passion. (laughs) They have to wait until they can also get their Social Security because their retirement is not enough to live the life that they live. Because, you know, when you retire, you actually get less. You know, it's very rare for people to retire with 100%. The company does not give you 100% of what you make right now. That's not what you're going to get in retirement. And, you know, people really don't pay attention to it enough. What are they going to get when they retire? Or they haven't put, a, put aside enough money for whatever reasons. They haven't added enough into their own 401K. Um, so you can't re- So too many people are now having to work until they're, 70 years old until they can get that additional money with their Social Security, and then they can retire. And I just said, no, no, not me. I need to be ready. <laughs> I need to be ready at least by 62. That's a long time, you know. And uh, so I just started saying, you know what, i got to create my own Social Security. I've always had some type of home-based business uh, ever since I was a, a young girl. I mean, I used to be a newspaper girl. I sold cards door-to-door back in the day, flower seeds. You know, my mother, (laughs) to reward me for things I would do in the house, my mother would let me look through catalogs and find things that I could sell, and that was my reward. She would let me order them. And then I would go door-to-door and I would sell stuff, or I would take orders and then, you know. (laughs) So I've been doing it ever since I was a young girl. And so as an adult, I've always had some type of home-based business. One, because... I don't know if people really understand that you get some amazing tax write-offs um, by having some type of business. Ask business owners, you know. So the tax write-offs are amazing. And so that, that's important to me to, to be able to have that. But multiple streams of income is just something that I've always, um, I always had a need for because I like to travel, and so I say that my – uh, home-based businesses, I say teaching and my education jobs pay the bills, and then my businesses, that's my fun money. So that's my beach money because I, <laughs> I like to go to beaches and I like to go on cruises. So, you know, I have to have multiple streams of income so that I can do the things that I want to do, travel, and uh, not have to say that I can't do these things because of money. So that's my why, my why, you know, and I always believe that anything you do, you have to know what is your why, and your why is what drives you. And so my why is that, one, I don't want to have to wait to retire until I can get Social Security. I'm making my own Social Security. And so whenever Social Security comes, that's just icing on the cake, and that can take me on a couple more trips. And then, you know, so then you have your why. Why do you need this extra money? You know, because I like to travel, I want to have extra money. I want to be able to do things. And then, you know, everybody wants to be debt-free, so I'm working on that as well. And then the how, then you have to think about, okay, so you have a big why. What is going to be your how? So my how has always been a home-based business, and I definitely believe in multiple streams of income. 
And so um, I have a couple of businesses. You know, one is an online wellness shopping club, and I basically just show people how to switch stores. Instead of buying the things that you typically buy at Walmart, you know, I show them how they can switch stores to healthier products that don't sit on the shelves, they don't have toxic chemicals. So for all of your household products, all your wellness and health products that you purchase, your healthy snacks and protein shakes and all that good stuff, you know, switch stores to a company that shares the wealth with you. Because the last time I checked, Walmart does not send me a check. <laughs> they never have sent me a check. <laughs> and so I joined forces uh, with a company that I just switched stores to this company and they send me a check. And especially when I share it with people and I tell people about it, then um, they let me participate um, in the re- in revenue sharing. So, and then I also have everybody calls me the card lady because Send Out Cards is definitely a company that I've been with for a long time. And that is basically focusing on relationship marketing and spreading kindness, and I call it creating mailbox happiness because every, we do everything online today, and so you can actually send real cards in the mail right from an app on your phone. I mean, right from an app, right from an app on your phone, you can pick a card, type a message in it, or speak a message if you like to use your microphone on your phone, and when you press send, the card goes in the mail. So you never have to forget anybody's birthday or, if, you know, someone has a death in the family or somebody is sick. You can send get well cards. You can do those things right from an app on your phone. And if you have a lot of people in your family to send birthdays and friends, you can put their birthday and it sends you a reminder. So you never have to forget people's birthdays again. And uh, I like doing that. I like sending cards. I have tons of Facebook friends who I've never met but they get cards from me, and it just makes their day. So I like creating mailbox happiness. Um, And then, you know, I'm a coach, a consultant, a speaker, an author, a certified John Maxwell trainer. So I speak, coach, and facilitate the leadership game. You know, I do youth retreats. I speak at women's events. You know, I just love what I do. I stay busy, but I really love it. So I always say, you know, Sometimes if I just had to focus on closing the achievement gap, it might drive me crazy. So, you know, my businesses are what I do for fun. And so people always ask me, how do you do all these things? Well, my home-based businesses are really what I do for fun. So people have different things that they do for fun. Well, uh, making money is fun for me. (laughs) I mean, helping people, helping people really, you know, but making money along the way. But, you know, I love helping people and I get to help others to do the same thing. So, you know, I have a team and I get to help others to realize what, once again, their goals, dreams, and aspirations, you know, so People have financial goals. People are trying to get out of debt. People need extra money. You know, $500 helps, you know, pays a bill in the household, you know, and so I get to do that through these businesses. So I get to help people in another way besides just education. I get to help them with their finances and to realize their goals, dreams, and aspirations. So I'm just doing the same thing but just in a different area. Awesome. That is awesome. And I know you are a published best-selling author. I have the pleasure of, of co-authoring Dear Fear uh, with you. And so tell us about that experience. And I know you're working on some other projects that are releasing soon as well. 
So Dear Fear was an amazing opportunity for me to work with 18 other authors and sharing powerful lessons for living your best life on the other side of fear. And I actually wrote about, I really, I came out and wrote about an experience of when I went to college. Because sometimes people see you today and they really don't know your story. And actually I just found out that, you know, everybody has a story. And, you know, so I shared my story of when I went to college and when I showed up in college, at, at, at the dorm, all I had was a trunk because I had actually uh, been homeless prior to going to school. And so that's a story within itself. But when I showed up to college, all I had was a trunk. Everything I owned was in that trunk, and my comforter was in the trunk. So that tells you how much room was left in there for clothes and other things. And when I showed up to that dormitory, there were some fraternity boys that were helping people to carry their things inside, unloading their cars. And uh, a lady who was a mentor uh, to me, she dropped me off at school, and she dropped me off and she said, good luck and gave me a hug, and the college boys were looking like, okay, we're here to help you with your stuff. And I pointed, like, and they looked at that trunk like, that's all you got? <laughs> and I really didn't even know what I didn't know because I was first-generation college in my, in my family, so, uh, and, I was, and I was really by myself. Um, so that's all I had. And these guys looked at me like, well, okay. <laughs> and they took me on upstairs. And, you know, when I reflected upon that, you know, there was, uh, you know, I just really struggled, you know, but to God be the glory, I made it. I graduated from college. And uh, so I just wanted to, I shared that story with people a little bit more about uh, college, some other things that happened um, during that, that time. And I really had to talk to myself a lot because I was thinking, like, you don't even, you know, in my mind, I saw all the other people with all their stuff and they had their parents helping them to set up their rooms, and here I was with my one little trunk by myself setting up my little, my little space. And, you know, and these thoughts were running through my mind, like, you don't belong here. Look at you. You don't even have stuff. But I had to talk to myself and say, that's okay. You're here. You're going to be okay. You don't need stuff. You got your brain. You got some financial aid. You're going, you're going to be all right. You know, so all along and through college, I had to talk to myself. And so I really learned the art that talking to yourself is not really crazy, that, you know, it helps you. You know, it helped me a lot to talk positive to myself, and I had to do that. And uh, that's what got me through, really, you know, changing negative thoughts into positive thoughts. Awesome, awesome. You provided so much information and such a wealth of knowledge. How can our listeners stay connected with you and support you in your efforts? So certainly if anybody wants to reach out to me, you know, if you're interested, if you want to know um, more about, you know, if I can help you with anything with education, if I can help you, if you want to make a uh, financial, if you're interested in a home-based business and you want to find out more about what I'm doing, certainly you can reach out to me on Facebook. My name is Christine Handy on Facebook. There are a couple of other Christine Handys, um, but I think you'll be able to figure out by my bio which one I am. Uh, so Christine Handy on Facebook, you can email me at Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, at above only.ws, A-B-O-V-E, above only, O-N-L-Y, dot W-S. 
So that's how you can email me. And then if you want to send me a text message, my number is 410-310-3849. So you might want to text me first because I probably won't answer if I don't know who the number is from. So you can send me a, send me a text message and tell me that you heard, uh, heard me on this radio show. And uh, my number is 410-310-3849. I love helping people. That's what I do. I'm passionate about it. And certainly, you know, I, I give back. And so if I can help someone, please don't hesitate to um, reach out to me. And uh, Tawana, I just want to thank you. It has been a joy and honor and pleasure speaking to you today and speaking to your um, radio audience. I thank you so much for having me. What an amazing opportunity just to be here with you today and sharing uh, some of the things that I have done um, throughout my, my uh, leadership journey. So thank you so much for having me. I know we could have talked for uh, a lot longer, um, but, you know, our time is up. <laughs> so I appreciate you. <laughs> my pleasure. I appreciate you, and I can't let you get off the phone without letting you know how much I appreciate you. If it wasn't for Dr. Christine Handy, I would have never found Dear Fear. If it wasn't for you sharing that opportunity with me and letting me know about that, and I didn't even know, didn't even know you. We shared the same sorority bond. We were both John Maxwell coaches, but I had never met you before. And that just speaks to when there's good people out there, they make sure that they lift as they climb and they bring somebody up with them. And if it wasn't for you, Dear Fear has changed my life and opened up a lot of doors. And so I appreciate you bringing me along uh, on that journey with you. You're sharing send out cards with me. I send my staff cards. I send all of my friends cards through all times. I'm intentional about doing that. And it's because you shared that with me. And so I want to let you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. I definitely appreciate it because you didn't have to. You could have held all of that in. (laughs) <laughs> but you didn't, and I appreciate but, it. <laughs> Tawana, can I just – I just have one more thing that I'd like to say um, to your listeners. I mean, if there was, like, one uh, piece of wisdom that I, I could just leave them with today, it's like whatever you do, you have to make a commitment. So you have to have that commitment mindset. And I just want to say think big, take bold action, and make an impact. So whatever you do, think big, take bold action, and make an impact. And always remember that in order to get what you want out of life, you have to help others to get what they want. And I always my hashtag that I use all the time is leadership matters. Thank you. Awesome. 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 Again, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule between flights and all of that good stuff to serve as my guest. Many blessings and much success to you on your journey. Thank, thank you, you, listening. Thank you, I- Thank you. Thank you, listening audience, for tuning in to tonight's show with our special guest, Dr. Christine Handy, where she shared many nuggets with us, some of which being take on a a challenge, preparation, make sure you are prepared. Leadership is tough, so you definitely want to have stamina. What are your dreams, goals, and aspirations? Learn how to develop winners. To thy own self be true, so make sure you take time for yourself. Think big, make an impact, and those of us, we should uh, help our educators uh, so that we can help the engaged become, uh, help the unengaged become engaged uh, for our students and in the education sector. 
So if you're interested in being a guest on the show or being a radio show sponsor, highlighting your businesses or events, please email dibroadcasting at trendyelitellc.com. Please tune in next week where you will get to hear from another amazing leader. And until then... Thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, where Taiwana speaks with leaders who share nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your personal and professional life. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Coach T. Wilson. Connect on LinkedIn or visit www.coachtwilson.com. And remember, in life, learn as much as you can, appreciate often, and lead fearlessly. 